where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? That was the question that the Magi asked to the startled and angered King Herod. The Magi had come to him bearing gifts. You know, the ancient church believed that those gifts reflected a depth of understanding that was far beyond what it seems teachers of the law understood or at least acknowledged. An understanding that the Magi, the foreign, pagan, Gentile Magi, had by God's grace. Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? King of the Jews. You know, there's two ways that phrase could be understood. One could be king over the Jews, the one who's been born to rule the Jews, or it can mean the king who has come from the Jews. The Roman historian Tacitus told us that at this time there was an expectation not only among the Jews, but among many people that a prince would come out of Israel who would have universal dominion. What gifts would be appropriate for such a king? Well, for time out of mind, gold has been a metal that's been associated with kings. In the first place, a gold is weighty. A gold brick uh, the size of a two-by-four, if you can picture that, cut to ten inches long, would weigh about 30 pounds three or four of them, and many of us couldn't lift it. Gold is valuable. At today's prices, or last time I checked, uh, gold was $1,786 an ounce. Such a gold brick at those prices would be worth about $857,000. Gold in its pure form is incorruptible. It doesn't oxidize. It doesn't Rust. In fact, the ancient Egyptians believed that gold was the flesh of the god Ra. They thought that it had supernatural and divine properties. Gold is a fitting tribute to the one who had been born king. And the gift of gold recognized his kingship and his lordship. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, 
They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And Father, we pray today that we would bring to this king gifts that are appropriate to him. And help us to do that in what we consider today. Amen. How much gold do you have? Now, I don't, I don't mean pat your pockets. I didn't think you had any on you today. But, but how much gold do you have? Do you have much? I don't, I don't have much gold. I've got, uh, I've got my original wedding band. That's gold. You probably have more gold than you realize. There's gold in your electronic devices. But that's probably... Um, where most of my gold is in my electronic devices. I suspect that's so for most of you too. Most of you probably are not sitting on piles of gold, right? If Christ is Lord and we had gold, it would be right to give it. But most of us don't have it, so how can we honor him as king? Well, you know, Jesus doesn't really need our gold. He especially doesn't need it now. Ascend it at the right hand of God. In uh, Revelation chapter 21 and 21, John had a vision of the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And John writes this. He said, this is what I saw. He said, a great, the great street of the city was of gold as pure as transparent glass. And Jesus doesn't need our gold. Did you hear the story this, is, this isn't a biblical story, right? Now you realize the story that I'm telling. The story of, uh, of, the, of the devout but very wealthy man, and uh, he was sad that he, couldn't, that he couldn't take it with him. You know, we've all heard that you can't take it with you. And so he was praying, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is a story, right? It's not in the Bible. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, God's heard your request, and uh, he's going to allow you to take one suitcase with you. And so the man, um, as, as he got older, as the time he thought was drawing near, liquidated many of his assets and got some of those gold bricks and he filled the suitcase with the gold. Well, the fateful day came and he stood at the gates and the angelic sentry said to him, you can't bring that in here. You're not allowed to take it with you. And the man said, well, he said, I've got a special dispensation though. The angel said, I doubt it, but I'll check. Goes away, comes back, he says, you know, I've never seen it before, but God moves in mysterious ways, and you're allowed to bring that in. But can, but can I just ask you, what was so valuable that you wanted to bring that with you? And the man said, oh, let me show you. He knocked the suitcase over. He opened it, and the angel looked puzzled, and he said, you're bringing road pavers with you? <laughs> so, I, I guess I don't tell enough jokes. People barely laugh when I tell them gold pavers for the street. Now, that's why you didn't laugh. You didn't get it, okay? Um, you know, um, when I told people I wanted to be a professional comedian, they laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. Um, the Magi brought gold to acknowledge his kingship. 
we may not have gold to bring, but we can reflect what that gold meant. We can acknowledge him as Lord. And how do we do that? How can we do that? Well, I'd like to suggest to you three things to acknowledge Jesus as King and Lord. We can resolve no longer to do what is right in our own eyes. Israel's period of the judges serves as a sober warning to us. You know, it's an amazing time. You read the book of Judges, and God had delivered the people out of Egypt. And they had their own land. They were still in the process of subduing it, but they had it. They were free. And they'd been given the Ten Commandments and were given God's precepts and statutes through Moses. They had God's word it seems, which each interpreted for himself. And the period of the judges was a disaster. And stated and repeated in that book are the words, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And it was God's plan to appoint a king in Israel. Before all else, the task of the king in Israel was to lead the people in keeping God's word. Back before there was ever any inclination even of a king, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, God said, when the king takes the throne of his kingdom, he's to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from the priests who are Levites. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers and turn from the law to the right or to the left. And the king was to be the chief follower of God's word, to set the example of the people in doing that. None of Israel's kings did that perfectly. We might even argue that none of them did it particularly well until this king was born. And he provided the pattern, not only by his teaching, but by his life that we're to walk according to. He showed us by his life, not merely by his teaching, what the word of God meant. And he left, Peter tells us, an example that we should follow in his steps. And to honor Jesus as Lord means that we determine to do his will and not our own. Today, people confuse the two, and I fear sometimes deliberately so. In so many circles, Jesus is not Lord, but he's the mascot pressed into serving their petty causes. And the cause is so often nothing more than their comfort, their convenience, their self-centeredness, but in the name of some great principle, usually something like freedom. To honor Jesus as Lord and King, we can bring him ourselves by repenting from doing what is right in our own eyes. You know, we live in a day and age, you only have to turn on the news to see that the country has slipped into chaos. 
people on the political left and on the political right take the Lord's name in vain by invoking it as an excuse to do their own will. But there is a king who has given to us not only his word, not only his life and his example, but has given to us his spirit to live within us. Let us not be those who quench and resist that spirit, but who bow to him as Lord and bring to him the gift that he deserves as king, our acknowledgement of his lordship over our lives. We may not have gold to bring. I don't have gold to bring. But we honor him as king by sanctifying Christ as Lord in our hearts. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Jesus told us that in the world we'd have tribulation. We should expect that. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 1 that we would share in Christ's sufferings. Peter would tell us in chapter 4 of this letter not to be surprised at the fiery trials that come upon us. And in the midst of all that, he says that we should sanctify Christ as Lord, that we should own and bow to his lordship in our lives. We do that, he says, by being ready to give an account for the hope that's within us. And that need not be some sophisticated apologetic argument, but simply to bear witness to the fact that I do what I do. I live as I live because Jesus is Lord. To have Christ as Lord means being ready to give an account, but it also means how we give that account. It's just as important. Peter says here to be ready to give an account with gentleness and respect. You know, I've seen plenty of YouTube videos and read plenty of social media posts of people uh, defending the faith as they'd like to think of themselves doing with belligerence, with mocking, Doing so, whatever they think they're doing, shows that Jesus is not Lord for them. For the question that Jesus asks in, six, in Luke 6.46 is always the test. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Always being ready to give an account, he said through his apostle, for the hope that is within you, but with gentleness and with respect. And lastly, To sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts requires, he says, to keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let me give you an example of that. 
championing the right to the life of the unborn is a good and a right thing to do. It should be the thing that all Christians do. And some time ago, I had someone, when I was trying to make that case, say to me, you don't care about the lives of women facing unexpected pregnancies. Spare me your sanctimony. You don't have any compassion on such women. If I'm to sanctify Christ as Lord in my heart, rather than defend myself when there's an accusation made like that, it's cause for me to examine myself to see if that is true. And if it is, I need to repent and find as much compassion for such women as I have for their children. We may not have gold to bring, but we can reflect the meaning of the gold by learning to walk in Christ as we've received him. In the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, Paul writes, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord. You know, there are people who will tell you today that you can have Christ as your Savior without having him as your Lord. I want to tell you that such people are not telling you the truth. Peter, in the letters that he writes, constantly combines the two. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in fact, if you did a concordant search, you would find that Jesus is much more often in the New Testament called Lord than he is called Savior. You cannot have received Christ unless you have received him as Lord. And if you've received him as Lord then continue to live in him in that way. Doing so means dying to your own will daily in order to do his. Doing so means giving up, doing what's right in your own eyes, uh, not just yesterday and not just today, but always. Doing so means sanctifying him as Lord in your hearts with observable effects in your life. Doing so, he's told us, will mean enmity with the world. This is perhaps one of the most difficult things of following Jesus, of having no place to comfortably fit into his kingdom. Or, I'm sorry, no place to comfortably fit into but his kingdom and with those who are committed to it above every other loyalty. The Magi brought gold to the newborn king. Gold is weighty and valuable, but nothing has as much weight or as much value as your soul. Your soul, yourself, is a forever entity, forever in an increasing state of decay as it runs from God and is alienated from him or forever in a state of renewal as it bows to him as Lord and lives at peace with him and is purified in his presence. And you know, that is why Jesus came, to give you the gift of reconciliation to God, to give you 
the gift of peace with God to by his death and resurrection to give you the gift of purity before God that you may live pure in his presence. That's the gift that he offers to you. So come, let us adore him and bring to him the gift that is much more valuable than gold. Your life, your love, your allegiance, your very self in acknowledging that he is Lord. And Father, I pray that you would help us to examine our hearts, our minds, our lives, and do that very thing. That, Father, we might bow to him as not only our Savior, but as our Lord who rules and reigns over us uh, in all kindness, in goodness, for our good and for your glory. Amen.